0: Hi, this is Jeannie Drisco with an episode of The Art and Soul of Healing, brought to you on the wings of Alliance for Natural Health USA. Today we are visiting Lee Wagner, RD, PhD. Lee is an integrative and functional dietitian with a PhD in dietetics from the University of Kansas Medical Center, Department of Dietetics and Nutrition. The focus of Lee's research for her dissertation was centered around the GI tract and functional bowel disorder. Lee currently has a virtual private practice where she helps clients solve complex health issues using personalized nutrition. She also teaches graduate level coursework on the principles of integrative nutrition. I have worked closely with Lee over the years And most recently, we co edited with Diana Nolan the textbook Integrative and Functional Medicine Nutrition Therapies Principles and Practice. Lee not only co edited this textbook, but wrote chapters as well. Welcome, Dr. Lee Wagner. So, hello, Lee. It's great to connect I with you. you.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> Hi. Too.
0: Hi. So, has your exercise routine changed with our current work from home policies?
1: Well, I am a pretty avid walker anyway. So, it's actually been nice that it hasn't really changed a whole lot. I do have a friend that I work out with every week or couple weeks. And so, we're doing virtual. But honestly, I. I feel like I can make it to classes more easily than I would like to because a lot of the local studios and gyms are doing online. Oh, that's great. Actually easier from working from home.
0: Huh, yeah. So what are you telling your clients to do for movement while at home?
1: Definitely getting outside as much as they can. And I think people are naturally doing that. I mean, I've seen neighbors that I didn't know were neighbors (laughs) and dogs that I've never seen before. So it's, I, it's not really um, hard, especially with this weather being so nice for people to get outside. But like I said, there's so many studios and gyms that are doing online classes, some even free because they realize, you know, it's good promotion for them. And it's people can't, you know, when people mm-hmm. are getting are unemployed, um, they can't access that as much. So it's actually been pretty amazing how much availability there is um, without having to go to a gym or whatever.
0: It's so. going to change our new normal. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: in ways we don't even realize,
0: I think. Yeah. So you describe your current practice as virtual, and that may have sounded strange a few months ago, but you're really on the leading edge of this trend for telehealth.
1: Yeah, I have definitely felt really lucky that I was already set up. You know, when I have Friends and clients checking in kind of because everyone's kind of like, how are you doing? How are, you know, just hanging in there. But I I was pretty much 90 to 90 for, 95% virtual anyway. Occasionally, I would do in-person consults with new clients, but check-ins are basically via my health portal um, video or phone calls. So it's it, like I said, I feel really fortunate that that was a smooth transition. Well, you
0: focus on integrative nutrition for your clients, so that usually means a longer visit time. So how long do you schedule for the first virtual visit,
1: for example? For my initial, I block 90 minutes, and usually we use the whole time. Sometimes, and as you know, with the complexity of um, health histories that sometimes we tend to attract we go further, go past 90 minutes, or the way that I work with clients, I really provide all the time that they need. So we can even chat the next week and continue the conversation. Um, And I even find that when I work with somebody, sometimes a really key point of information or piece of information might not come out until the fifth, sixth, seventh visit. Mm. And so that time with with my clients is so critical. And so the initials 90 and then follow-ups really vary between 30 and 60.
0: Hmm.
1: Boy, that's excellent. So how
0: frequently do you find you need to follow up with your clients?
1: Early on, I tend to uh, weekly to every other week. And then we get lab results interpreted and make a plan and um, clarify any questions that they have we might go to once a month or, you know, long term, I don't really want people to have to depend on me. So Mm -hmm. if we check in maybe once a year to monitor supplements, or if we need to redo lab testing, um, it it may even get to a point, sometimes I don't even hear from people for a couple years because they're just doing well.
0: Oh, that's great. That's amazing. So you're using lab testing which I know a lot of uh, dietitian slash nutritionists have been a little reluctant to wade into that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm lucky that I had the experience in working with you and um, at the University of Kansas um, in integrative medicine, just in getting that experience and comfort. And so there's a lot of availability for dietitians to be able to um, get testing done for. Um, their clients and even tests that are readily available to the public are really nice to be able to offer and help interpretation because there's a lot of like direct to consumer lab testing but I find that people don't really know what to do with the information.
0: Uh, Absolutely.
1: Yeah so it's actually a service that we're providing to be able to make meaning out of the numbers.
0: That's great. Well, you and Diana Nolan developed quite a few tools and handouts for patients. How do you manage those handouts, questionnaires, and visual teaching tools during the virtual visit?
1: So I have um, transitioned everything to electronic, and I have a lot of tools within my practice, my online portal. So it's a HIPAA-compliant online practice portal. I use Practice Better for my health records and they offer templates so I can create protocol templates for people that if they, if they need certain um, instructions for certain protocols or specific uh, resources like recipes or blogs that I tend to use or recommend, or um, I'm trying to think of other things, supplements, I basically everything is either um, electronic through the portal. And I also have started recording videos for clients that if I can't dig in in that appointment to a topic or teach them or mm-hmm. I want to make sure they get all of the information. So I've been doing a lot of links to videos on, uh, you know, inflammation and nutrition or intuitive eating and developing a healthy relationship with food. And I recently did a little webinar for people who are feeling anxious about being at home with food and not feeling comfortable about their food choices. There's another, oh, I'm going to record a video here this week on a plate guide that I created years ago and make it more of a, basically a, a conversation with the client that this is how you can build a balanced meal or a balanced snack. So there's so many I'm actually overwhelmed by the options. I don't even know sometimes what the best options are, but I'm trying to get as, as much information to the client for them to be able to feel confident in how to do the things that we talk about. Well,
0: this is really interesting. So you have a HIPAA compliant web portal. Is that different than your Squarespace web page? Are you
1: using them differently? Yeah, so my, um, so my website is just a landing page for people to find me, but my HIPAA compliant portal is basically an electronic medical record Mm. system. So it's where they can upload if they have labs that they want to share with me or notes from their doctor, they can upload those to me. I can upload, um, lab results that we get back. So they have access to those. It's where my notes are. It's where they actually have a chat function and an app. So I can actually message with clients just like You might be able to with your doctor through some health portals that are in conventional clinics. So it's great. It also has a video function.
0: Oh, that's great. So are you using other social media to stay in touch with
1: people like Twitter or? Yeah, I mostly use Instagram. So that's where I'm most active for sure. But I I should get more active on my Facebook and certainly Twitter. Yeah, man is managing all those puppies. <laughs> so, exactly. So I, yeah. I feel like um, if if people want to find me, I'm mostly on Instagram.
0: Okay, good to know. So what's the average age of your patients? Do you attract a younger clientele because of the difference in the
1: meeting arrangements or is it all ages? I haven't done, a, like I actually early on, I kind of did that to see who I was finding, but I would say... Between 30 and 65, 70, but probably skewing more in the, I don't know, I would say it's probably somewhat evenly dispersed between 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, maybe a little bit younger. I tend to help people. I've dug into nutrition and hormones and just the um, imbalances in like estrogen and progesterone and symptoms around. Um, androgen metabolism and estrogen detoxification. So um, I help people like women who have hormone related symptoms that um, I've gotten kind of more of a surge of of inquiries related to that.
0: Oh, that's great. So this is definitely the wave of the future. I think you're you are ahead of the curve, but definitely this is where it's going. So what exactly? do you mean by personalized integrative nutrition
1: so personalized means a lot of different things so I think maybe in the medical realm we think of more genetics and in my practice I'm not only considering potentially their genetics because we can do that that aspect of their health and take a nutrigenomic lens um, to their personalized care but Also, personalized care in terms of their lifestyle. And what, even when we talk about like movement, when you ask me about exercise and movement, some people love the gym, some people hate the gym. So Mm -hmm. we can personalize what we recommend based on what they prefer to, how they prefer to move, what they prefer to eat, personalized in their biochemistry. So what are their nutrient levels? What's going on in their digestive tract and their microbiota or their hormones? Because we can make educated guesses as providers, having seen hundreds and thousands of people, but you really don't always know. And sometimes my guesses are confirmed with labs, and sometimes they're turned on their head <laughs> when I see labs. And so I find that as a really important tool for personalizing care. I'm trying to think of other aspects, it could even be just a matter of, you know, their relationships or their community support, and that impacts how they're able to carry out the recommendations that you make. So trying to take into account all the different factors that play into someone's health and not think that one size fits all.
0: Wow, that's really wonderful. I'm going to change focus a little bit and ask you a bit about uh, the research you did for your dissertation. Uh, Can you describe specifically what interventions you were looking for when you evaluated patients, such as IgG food hypersensitivity testing or comprehensive digestive stool analysis?
1: Yeah, so for my PhD research, I really asked three main questions. So one was, how does an integrative medicine clinic or practice intervene in patients with Functional bowel disorders and specifically IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. And so, what are what are they doing? What are we doing? And then, does it work based on symptom changes? And then, finally, I looked at uh, nutrient levels—six different nutrients that we commonly measure in the clinic. And so, I took basically the the charts of patients from the integrative medicine clinic that um, we worked in and. I looked at um, what, what we did as interventions and the three most common interventions included elimination diets of various things, but primarily the most common two foods that we recommended people try eliminating with gluten and dairy. We did supplement recommendations. So it was either so vitamin or mineral supplements. And then the last one was what I call digestive related supplements, which would be like probiotics. So those are the three most common interventions. And then when we looked at the outcomes of symptoms change, we used the tool of the medical symptoms questionnaire. So that's where they, the, the patient, every time they come in, they would rate their symptoms um, on different categories, whether it was their head or pain or energy or digestion or their lungs or uh, even their mood, and they they rate it on a scale from zero. They don't experience it all the way up to four, which was uh, they would rate as frequent and severe. So what we found from pre, pre-intervention to post-intervention was that 75% of the patients with IBS that we looked at had improvement, so statistically significant improvement in their symptoms. So it was pretty profound change from pre-intervention to after they had actually implemented a change. As far as what I found in the nutrient levels, there was really, of the six that I measured, there was one that was found um, deficient in 23% of the population, and that was vitamin D, which is not probably surprising. Mm-hmm. But one thing to say about the population that we look, looked at in an integrative medicine clinic is that a lot of the patients come in already supplementing themselves, mm-hmm. So it's hard to say what that would look like. Their nutrient levels would look like in the grant, you know, in the general population. And another thing is that the reason it's important to look at the nutrient levels is because a lot of times IBS patients will eliminate foods on their own to try to alleviate symptoms. So they may have been eliminating big groups of foods for years and years and years. And that leaves us um, vulnerable to deficiencies. So. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Those were my main findings. Oh, that's great. And did that, has that advised your current practice going through that?
1: Yeah. So, I definitely, in studying IBS and digging into the literature, you find that it's very complex. It's not just related to food. People who have IBS tend to be more, um, have a visceral hypersensitivity, which is the scientific term for they feel pain more acutely or more sensitively than other people. And so that's important to know. There's often, there's much higher risk for IBS in people who have um, childhood trauma. So that's another thing to keep in mind, that mind-body connection, food triggers, even the alterations in gut flora and inflammatory markers. So there's a lot of different angles that you have to take with IBS and not just make the promise that food is going to change everything. And I'm very upfront with that with both clients. And I think they're refreshed to hear that because if you read on your own and you read about leaky gut and you read about, you know, eliminating foods, you think you should be able to solve it on your own. But if you have a bunch of unresolved trauma and that's never been looked at, then you may not be able to make a lot of headway.
0: Oh, that's great. So you're really, doing a whole person scan here, not just, yeah, yeah. that's wonderful.
1: And a lot of referring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that says a lot right there. I believe you're still involved in the KU Medical Center Department of Dietetics and Nutrition Master's Level Integrative Nutrition Certificate. Is that correct? Are you still involved? Yes, I still teach. Mm-hmm. So I know people are always looking for ways to get trained in integrative nutrition, Is this program open to registered
1: dietitians only? No, actually I have, so I teach two courses at KU Med in um, the dietetics department. They're both elective courses in integrative dietetics. And um, one of them is an intro to integrative dietetics and the other one is an inflammation and immune regulation nutrition course. Um, I have um, nurses, I have, I have other, I'm trying to think if, if I have a, an OT right now, um, but it tends to be dietetics that students or dietitians and um, nurses that mostly will find me, but it's open to other healthcare uh, providers. It's open to other, other disciplines. And I, I love teaching and having those different voices because when we do the discussion boards, then each of the students in different disciplines can kind of hear from each other's lenses and it's really powerful.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. That interprofessional team. So if you are a nutritionist, for example, and don't have the RD behind you, could you take a course like
1: this at an academic center? I think if you had a master's level, you could. I'm not actually sure what the criteria are other than I know it would need to be like a licensed medical provider, like a nurse, doctor, OT, PT. Dietitian,
0: What other avenues of training would you recommend to someone? Are there
1: other choices? Yeah. So I would say, um, and one that I have pursued myself and need to finish up is a CNS or um, Certified Nutrition Specialist. And they have really good in-depth uh, work in clinical nutrition interventions. I know that you have your CNS You know, I get asked this question a lot. There are other kind of training programs for dietitians like Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy. And Susan Allen has her own program. I can't think of what it's called uh, for dietitians to kind of take their practice to the next level and implement Integrative and Functional um, Medicine principles and practices. But, um, and obviously as a a resource, you know, our (laughs) textbook, is hopefully going to be a foundational resource. I had someone reach out to me recently and say, would you say that your textbook is a good overview? And she goes, because I've been searching and I haven't found one. I said, well, that's exactly why we needed it. (laughs) Well, we need to talk
0: about our textbook, Integrative and Functional Medicine Nutrition Therapy Principles and Practices. This is going to be available through our publisher Springer and is found online in such places as Amazon. So, we've joked that this has been a labor of love since the inception to printing spanned several years. But you were an amazing co editor even during the time when you were working on your dissertation. So amazing. Uh, tell us who could benefit
1: from this textbook. I really think any healthcare providers who want to start learning about and then implementing some of the principles of. I would just say personalized nutrition with, without using the integrative and functional um, medical nutrition therapy as like the long term. I think what it boils down to is personalized nutrition in a broad sense of all the different aspects that I talked about before in looking at the patient's story and in looking at their biochemistry and different therapeutic diets. Even the, the systems biology of our health, rather than looking at silos of different organs and organ systems. So it's, I think it's a a resource that has people have been searching for and are even more so especially now.
0: I bet that's true. So you were involved in writing some of the chapters. Did you have a favorite one that you wrote?
1: So I would say I wrote on my own the one on uh, the patient story. And I don't know what it is about that relationship, that therapeutic relationship with my clients that I find fascinating. I actually ended up after I finished my PhD, I did a certification um, that I just finished this last month in positive psychology coaching um, to complement what I do in my clinical work because so much of the interventions we use are... Uh, lifestyle changes and behavior changes and those are easier said than done so to understand how um, that person's story and what's really going on in their life informs how they can actually carry out our recommendations is probably as important if not more important than the recommendations themselves because our, our our interventions are really only as good as the the behaviors that the, that the patient or client can do. Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't know that. I, I'm glad to hear that you took that next step. That's going to be an important tool. Well, I think what is interesting is that it took a mix of practitioners to get this textbook written. We had experts that were medical doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, naturopaths, PhDs, traditional Chinese medicine practitioners. So it was an exciting effort for, to bring everybody together. So yeah. I want to thank you for that. So is there anything else that you want to highlight about the
1: textbook? Um, just the emphasis that it's, it's broken into the two parts with the um, principles and really giving the background and the evidence around it. And then the second part being the practice and how to actually implement it in real life with your practice. So I think that's a neat aspect of, of the textbook. And I just want to emphasize what you said and how important it is to to showcase that we all have a role to play and a part to play in this and that um, dietitians are not the only people who can know something about nutrition, that we can learn from the naturopath and we can learn from, and, and you know vice versa, all the different disciplines have a part and have different expertise that we can learn from in that. The best care for the patient is really what is is a collaborative approach.
0: So yeah, it is a collaboration. Beautiful. Well, Lee, I so appreciate your time in describing how your practice operates, the tools yeah. that you're developing for patients and practitioners, and for your great gift of writing in such a clear fashion. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Phoebe. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Lee, for sharing information with us about your virtual private practice in integrative nutrition. It's been very helpful and a guidepost for many pointing the way to continue to see patients in this challenging time. And a special shout out to the Alliance for Natural Health USA for standing in the gap for our health freedoms and making these types of practices available.